Let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 26, verse 17. Genesis 26. Hey guys, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Pete, Pete's got it. Genesis 26, verse 17. Thank you anyway. Um, and Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdsmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboam. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And this is what I want to talk about. That verse 22 just highlighted or, or jot it down and keep it. You know, this is our this is our thought for today. Is verse 22 where it says, And he removed from thence and digged another well. This is the third one. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. The word Rehoboth means room. And I just want to talk to you this morning, especially, it, it's, it's, this would be uh, pertinent all the time. But it's especially pertinent right now. I've, I feel it in, in my life and in our in our nation right now that God is going to make room for His people. God isn't going to make room for His people. He made room for Isaac. He made a place of of rest. He made a place of victory. He made a place where that He wasn't striving. Uh, and God makes a way, and God makes a place, a Rehoboth for His people. He really does that. He makes a place for his people. Men try to shut you up and try to shut you out. Uh, squeeze you out. The God of this world, we feel it, right? There's an ever-present darkness. That's nothing new. He's the God of this world. He's been since the Garden of Eden where we saw him with Adam and Eve, uh, tempting them to sin. He's still the God of this world. And we're seeing the, the furnace heated up more. We're seeing the darkness get darker. We are seeing all that around us and men are going to try to squeeze us out. And the God of this world, who is our adversary, because he's the Lord's adversary, he is our adversary, our enemy. He is going to stop, try to stop us. He is going to try to thwart, to restrict, to hinder, to minimize, to limit, to discredit, to undermine the redeemed of the Lord. And he's going to try to do it at every turn. Every, every time you try to open your mouth and share the gospel, every time you try to do what God's called you to do, we're going to be buffeted. We're going to be, there's going to be this uh, attempt to hinder. The, the enemy that we have is very skillful. He, and like Clinton used to say, he's not good, but he's a good devil. You know what I mean? He's not good, but he's a good devil. He's good at what he does. And he's had these years to perfect his skills even more. And he will greatly oppose the will and the plans of God being fulfilled in your life. He wants to, if he can't, if we're saved, then we're saved and he can't, he can't damn us because the, who is it that condemn it? 
the Lord has justified us. That's what the, the scriptures say. But he can try to hinder or stop the, the fulfillment of God's plans through the life of his people. He can try to get us off into sin. He can try to make us fearful to where we don't move forward. He can try to get us busy and distracted to where we don't lay hold on the things of God and roll up our sleeves and set our hands to the plow. Like the Lord says, no man setting his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We gotta, he, he can try to, all of his different tactics, but God makes a place for us. He makes a place of rest. He makes a place of victory. He makes a place of prosperity in our individual walk with God, in our families, in our homes, in our churches, in our endeavors. And he does it. This is the most amazing part. He makes room for us right in the midst of darkness, right in the midst of hostile territory, right in the midst of, of our enemies all around about us. The Lord makes us prosper right there. And I want you to just think about it. Think about our country. Think about your own life. Think about the darkness closing in. It obviously is closing in. The fire being turned up. The end times being latter in the, in the end times. And the description in perilous times. And think about it. But the, David said that thou preparest a table for me. Where? In the presence of mine enemies. That's, that's the, what the thought for today. This Rehoboth. Where where he'll make God make room for us, he says. Isaac said, he digged the third well and they didn't strive for it. You know, the water's mine. I can enjoy it. We'll set up here. We'll, we'll live here. We'll build here. And God made a, a way for, for Isaac to prosper in the midst of the enemy. David says he's prepared a table for, before me. Just the Lord spread out a banquet or a buffet before us in the presence of our enemies right there where they're all around they're still our enemies and yet they didn't overcome us they didn't overcome christ the darkness eric used the scripture this morning the darkness shineth in the world and the world didn't overcome it comprehended it not but it really means to overcome the darkness did not overcome the light and it never will in no point will it even if there's only one or two of us that are believers on the planet, Christ is still the light of the world. As long as I'm in the world, he says, I'm the light of the world. And, and he's coming back again someday and has set up his kingdom here and set all things right. But I just want you to know that our enemy will greatly oppose the will and the plans of God being fulfilled in your life, through your life, for your life. He's never going to stop doing it. He's a good devil. He's good at what he does. And listen, as you and I hear from God, we talked in the last couple of weeks about hearing from the Lord, seeing the Lord. And as you and I hear from God and know that we've heard from the Lord, whether it's just simply from the, from the Bible, okay, what he speaks to us or personally into our lives. Uh, when we hear from the Lord and then we undertake or endeavor to follow the Lord, which is what we're doing, right? We're disciples or followers of the Lord. But as we endeavor, we hear from God, we step out just day by day in little things, okay? Or, or maybe a big calling of God upon our lives. We endeavor to follow Him. We undertake to do His will. We step out in faith in the calling of God upon our lives. We will be battled by the enemy at every turn. You can count on it. Don't, don't be discouraged by it. Don't be surprised by it. And the more you and I, as believers, are set apart for the Lord, 
Now think about it. The more you and I are set apart unto the Lord, the more that you and I are sold out to Jesus Christ. I remember a day in my life when I wasn't sold out to the Lord. I was saved, but I wasn't sold out to the Lord. And if you're here today and you're saved, and you know in your heart I'm not, I'm not 100% committed. I'm born again. I've trusted Jesus as my Savior, but I have not fully surrendered my will to Him, not fully to, to the Lord, then you need to. You're not going to be content. You're not going to be satisfied. You'll be, you'll be living this halfway life, and who wants to live a halfway life? Never realizing the fullness of what God has for your life. It doesn't honor the Lord. It's not, it doesn't glorify the Lord. But when we are, the more we are set apart unto the Lord, and the more we're sold out to Him, the more that we are set in our hearts and minds to do His will. Like David said, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. I will sing and give praise. He uses that phrase about his heart fixed at least twice in the Psalms. The more you and I are fixed upon the Lord to do his will and to do his work, the greater the opposition will be. You want the devil to leave you alone? Just stop walking with the Lord. If you want the devil to just get his hands off and you just prosper and, oh, everything seems to be going better. My friends don't leave me. You know, don't get in trouble at work for standing for Jesus. Uh, everything just seems to be going better. Well, it seems to be, but it's not. But Satan will just move on to someone else that is really living for God and try to battle them. But you want God to be glorified through your life. You want Him, Almighty God, to show His power in and through your life. Live for God. And live for Him boldly. Live for Him privately. And live for Him publicly. And the more you do, the more He is going to be set to oppose us. And so, listen, the greater the call of God upon your life, the greater the purpose, the greater the urgency of the hour, the greater the commitment of the servant, or the believer to Christ, the Lord, the greater Christ is being magnified through your life, the greater the enemy is going to try to stop us and stop whatever that thing is that God has called you and I to be and to do. We have a short time on this earth. God has called us to be something. He's called us to do something. He's called us to be conformed to the image of His Son. Be holy, for I am holy. It is by the working of His Holy Spirit that we are that. But I'm talking about holy in all manner of conversation. In a practical standing, I mean in a positional standing, we are holy and sanctified in Christ by the blood of Jesus, robed in His righteousness. But in our daily walk, you know good and well, and I know good and well, there's a, a, a long way for me to go to be Christ-like and the, for the fruit in the fullness and, and to be holy in all manner of my lifestyle or conversation. And so uh, the more we step out to do that and actually be that and to do whatever he's called us to do in our lives, the more Satan is going to oppose us and the more the world's going to oppose us. And we're going to feel like it's pressing in, but it's okay to be there. Because God's going to make room for us. He's going to shake off the, the restraints. It's amazing how He does it. And nobody but God can do it. It's not a figment of our imagination. He makes room for us. How can He make room for us in the midst of the chaos in our world today? It's never been more ungodly, anti-Christian, and the spirit of Antichrist more prevalent, even within churches. So many churches. Uh, and yet, how can He make room for us? Because He's God. 
that Rehoboth. He'll, he'll pre prepare and provide that place for us and that table for us in the middle, in the, in the presence of our enemies. And so I want to just say to you this morning, don't let that stop you. Don't let the opposition or the fact, all right, it's an absolute fact, that there's opposition from the enemy, from a world that doesn't know God. Uh, don't, don't let that stop you and from serving the Lord. You and I are servants of the Most High God. Most High means He's the Most High, right? We're servants of the Most High God. That means everybody else is servants of somebody or something else. Some other God. They're servants of themselves. They're servants of the government. They're servants of the God of this world. Whatever their servants are of, you and I are servants of the Most High God. And we have to remember that. Don't let this opposition stop you from being what the Lord's called you to be and do. Don't let it ever stop you from fulfilling what He's called you to do. I just want you to think about this. I was thinking about it as I was praying this week and preparing. A lion's den did not stop Daniel, did it? He had false accusers and people that were jealous and wanted to bring him down, specifically. They wanted to bring him down. Not for sinful things he had done, not for immoral things, unethical things he had done, but because of his walk with God, they wanted to bring him down. They didn't stop him. And the lion's den that he was thrown in, nor the lion's in the den, nothing stopped Daniel from fulfilling what God had for him. He was greatly opposed. A fiery furnace did not stop his three friends, three, three Hebrew boys, this King Nebuchadnezzar of the biggest empire in the world at that time, looking them in the eyes and saying, bow down and enraged and heating up the furnace seven times hotter than it normally was to be heated. I mean, it's hot enough to kill you. It's hot enough to kill you. But he commanded it to be heated up seven times hotter. This did not stop them. It did not hinder them from being what God called them to be, for standing uh, for the Lord and fulfilling whatever God's purposes were for their lives. Old age and, and, and old bodies did not stop Abraham and Sarah from receiving the promised child. We, we preached on this last week. The Bible says that the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and he did understand Sarah as he had spoken. They both had their ups and downs. They had times that they doubted. But their old age did not stop them from being, having the fulfillment of the promised child, Isaac, and then all the successive promises and covenants being fulfilled through them. A Goliath and the Philistines and a jealous king named Saul did not stop David from being the man after God's heart and being the king that God called him to be and making an eternal covenant with David that Christ would come from that line specifically. <clears throat> None of these things, he was greatly opposed. The Roman Empire did not squash out the, the church of Jesus Christ. They were burning them. Uh, I forget which of the, the uh, Roman emperors was, was burning them in his garden on his front lawn, light Christians on fire, and, it, and make candles out of them. These were human beings, saved by the grace of God, being lit on fire just for the entertainment of this uh, this wicked person. They were thrown to the lions for entertainment. But the, the Roman Empire didn't squash out the church. The Roman Empire is gone now. And the, and the gates of hell won't prevail against the church of the living God. We could go on and on. The, the grave did not keep our Lord and Savior down. I'm telling you that we're opposed 
at every turn, and we're going to be opposed at every turn, but we're servants of the Most High God. God will make room for us. We must not be discouraged because the way is rough. This is the age in which we're living. We're not living in complacent, a complacent age. We're not by the Jordan River and somebody's playing a harp and we're in the promised land and God's given us rest all around. That day will come. There is a rest that remains for the people of God. And there's a heavenly ray of hope. Amen? They're going to get to one day. But we can't be discouraged because the way is rough. We can't faint, faint along the wayside because the journey is too long for us or too difficult. We must not get scared and run because simply because the opposition is fierce. And that was the temptation. How could a Christian run? Where are we going to go? We could run in one sense by shutting up. We could run by saying, okay, every time I open my mouth and talk about Jesus or share a scripture with somebody and say, I'm praying for you, or this is what's going on in our country is sin, or, you know, and we try to step out in Jesus' name and do something and share the gospel with somebody, we're smacked in the face, okay? And we're threatened. Satan is real good at threatening. He, he is very good at threatening. We, we can't turn tail and run simply because the opposition is fierce. Can I tell you that it is fierce? The opposition is fierce and it's going to be more fierce. And But God, God already knows that. This didn't catch him off guard and say, oh my goodness, I, I sent my cornerstone church out there and all the people to go live for God. I told them to go witness and oh my goodness, look what happened. They were insulted. They lost their job. They were passed over for a promotion. They, and, and so forth. He, he's not, uh, he's not surprised by this. He, he knows that and he knew it would happen before. And I said, the greater our determination to do God's will, the, the greater the opposition will be. We can't be afraid of that. The Lord knew it before he chose us and before he called us. And he saw it all before. And, and yet he still called us to, to fulfill his purposes, his eternal purpose. And so I just want to encourage you this morning for a little while. There most surely will be opposition as we walk with the Lord. Most surely there will be. And as we undertake to do his will. The opposition, a lot of times, y'all, it'll come from where you would expect it. You know what I'm saying? It, it, we, opposition to your Christianity being walked out and lived out. Sometimes it's just exactly where, okay, I'm opposed here, I figured that. But sometimes it'll come from places that we would not expect it. And unexpected places could come from family members that you thought would understand and appreciate your walk with God and your, your desire to be holy and to serve the Lord. Sometimes it'll come from others in the church, in the, in the church world who don't understand or don't agree with what you're doing in the Lord or what he's called you to do. They don't see it. They don't get it. I know that I've shared this before. I'm going to share it again. I remember when me and I, we've been married, um, I think less than a year, or right about a year, when the Lord called us to step out. She had a job, I had a job, just a secular jobs, and the Lord called us to step out into ministry. At this time, it was going to be traveling uh, music ministry. And I would preach a little bit here and there, but mostly it was bringing the gospel 
uh, through music and through worship and through an altar call, you know, sharing the gospel at the end. And we're going to step out and do this. I got a college degree. She's got a good job. I had a, a decent job, but we knew the Lord was going to call us. So he calls us and we, we tell our church at the time and for the church to be praying for us, to send us out and, and support us in prayer and everything. And there was a wonderful, uh, godly uh, man, Christian man, who was a friend of a little bit older than me, but not much. And, and, I, and a friend, and he was so concerned, he came and said, you can't do that, Randy. You can't, y'all can't step out and do that. How are you gonna make it? You're living off of love offerings from these little churches. How are you gonna provide for your family? How are you gonna ever have a home? How? He was so, he was really trying to help, but he didn't understand the call of God. He didn't, didn't understand that we had already heard from the Lord. And so sometimes you'll be opposed or there'll be some type of a hindrance, even in places you wouldn't expect it and in the church world and so forth. And it's going to come from people that don't understand the call, what God's doing in me and what he's desiring to do. Or maybe they don't agree with the decisions you've made because it's not what they would have done in the same situation. And we're going to be opposed. Friends are going to question and co-workers are going to question and, and family members are going to question and try to discourage. Certainly government's going to oppose and things like that. But listen, I'm going to make a, a couple of points right here. Just because we're misunderstood by others doesn't mean we're right or wrong. You know what I'm saying? We could be misunderstood. In other words, we're opposed. Let's say that I, I've decided I'm going to do something and I had all of y'all come to me and say, Randy, this isn't the Lord, okay? I may be out of God's will and I need to hear that because I miss the Lord, okay? So just because I'm misunderstood doesn't mean I'm right, but just because I'm misunderstood doesn't mean I'm wrong either. We have to, it has to come down to knowing I've heard from the Lord. And absolutely, whatever that thing is, we need to have it line up with the Word of God, okay? And I believe if there are mature believers in our lives, if there are mature believers who are walking in unison, then they will be able, God will use them to confirm that. So being misunderstood doesn't mean we're wrong, doesn't necessarily mean we're right either. But I think about the Lord Jesus, and you don't have to turn there, but the Bible says he went to his own country. Okay, he goes into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And I'm just going to read this from Mark 6. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. So what is he saying? There's opposition even there to, to his kinfolk, from coming from his kinfolk. There was opposition to the Lord Jesus going to the cross, being the Son of God, fulfilling his earthly ministry, even from people that knew him and grew up with him, and relatives and kinfolk, and they were offended at him. But Jesus was still right. So being opposed and misunderstood doesn't necessarily mean you're wrong. 
okay? And the same thing happened with Peter. You remember the book of Acts when Peter went to Cornelius' house? And that was the first time we read in the history, you know, of the, the, the early church where, where the gospel was brought to the Gentiles like that. And it took some convincing to convince Peter, if you remember. He was praying on the rooftop about noon, and he goes into this trance, and it took three times for God to say, what I've called clean, don't you call unclean. Again, rise, Peter, kill and eat. No, not so, Lord. I've never done this. I've never eaten these, these foods that aren't kosher, basically. No, don't you call unclean what I've called clean. It took three times to convince him, and the third time there's a knock on the door, and, and Cornelius' Gentile servants were there to bring Peter with them, right? But he did get it. He understood. He goes and he preaches the gospel. Cornelius and his household get saved. The Holy Ghost falls upon him. Upon them all, it says, so he goes back home to Jerusalem. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So these are the Christians back in Jerusalem. The Christians. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision, these were Jewish Christians, okay, contended with him. So what are they doing? They're opposing Peter, the one that the Lord called, who God just blessed them in such a mighty way and ushered in a whole new thing, a whole new wonderful thing of the gospel coming to the Gentiles and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It says, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, you went unto men uncircumcised and did eat with them. Well, it took some convincing, but Peter had rehearsed the thing from the start. And just like it took some time for him to be convinced by the Lord, it was okay to go to the Gentiles. He, the Lord used him to recount the story, the whole thing. And they understood and they, were, they rejoiced and glorified God. He said, amen. Well, the, the Gentiles have been uh, granted repentance unto life as well. And they, they rejoiced. So just the fact that we're misunderstood or opposed, even by people that should understand, doesn't, don't let that discourage you. Okay? We, we walk with the Lord. You have to hear from God and know that you've heard from the Lord. Okay? And so Peter said, and I'm just going to read this for time's sake, but he said, uh, well, you can turn with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's look at this real quickly. We could read a few, few verses, but let's just read um, verse 26 right now. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-six. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils in, by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, and he goes on to say weakness and everything. But he's saying, I'm an apostle. I'm an apostle of the Lord. I'm a minister of Christ. And this is what came to me. And I only read a portion of it. And so he was opposed. Perils. He used that, that word eight times in that one verse. It just means danger. But God is with us. God is with us. God makes room for us. And, and Paul said, uh, from henceforth, let no man trouble me anymore. I bear my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. They're saying, you're not really a minister. These are ministers of Christ over here. And they don't say the same thing you say, Paul. And Paul said, look, they're ministers and I'm not. 
I've been shipwrecked, I've been beat, I've been stoned and left for dead in perils among my own countrymen and so forth. He says, leave me alone about this. I bear in my body this literal scars and marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Was he opposed? Yes, he was opposed. What's the point of all this? That we are, God's people will be opposed. We're going to be hindered. We're going to be uh, pressed in against. But the God who saved us and called us in Christ, he will strengthen us by his grace. The Bible says he giveth more grace. You look or you turn the TV on, you get scared, you get overwhelmed, and, and yet he gives more grace. He gives more grace for the hour, for the moment, for the opposition, for the strength of the enemy. And he, he ensures the victory. The Lord has already promised the victory and he himself ensures it, okay? And he himself will bring us through to the victory. We're gonna feel weak. We're gonna feel overcome. We're gonna feel defeated at times. We're gonna feel like it's over. I can't go on in Jesus anymore. Those are feelings. The Lord will absolutely pick us up and carry us on. He will not leave us where we are. He is going to bring us, and He's going to bring us through barely. He's going to bring us through to 100% complete victory. Keep your eyes on the Lord. He gives more grace. And so I think about that song uh, about it is well with my soul. And one of the verses says, though Satan should buffet, though trials shall come. It's a fact. Satan's going to buffet, trials shall come. Let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my humble, my uh, helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It's a fact that Satan buffets. It's a fact that trials come. It's even a greater fact that this blessed assurance control. Christ is in control. He has shed his own blood for my soul. The Bible says if God spared not his only son, but offered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? He's not going to give his son to literally die for me, a wicked, no good sinner, and then somewhere along the way, abandon me and not give me what I need for this hour. We need, there's a blessed assurance in that. Amen. The Bible says, faithless he who calleth thee, who also will do it. The Bible says, uh, be weary. Let us therefore not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't be weary in well-doing in doing what God's called you to do. We can be weary and God strengthens us. Amen. He strengthens us. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. Uh, if you're still in Genesis 26, uh, turn. if you're not, turn back there. And if you are, that's where we're going back to where we started. And I want to get back to Isaac for just a moment in these wells that he was digging. So let's pick up just prior to what we read in verse 12. Let's read this. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. 
for all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them all and filled them with earth. And so here, here he's actually, this is just prior to what we read. And so basically he's asked to leave. He was in this land of the Philistines because there was a famine. That's why he went there in the first place. God had him move there. And the king of Bimelech, they, they all envied him. He, everything he did blessed and prospered. If he dug a well, it had water. I mean, water would have been huge. It was life. You have to picture where they lived. Dig, we just turned the faucet on, right? They had to dig water, a well, and find it. They had to dig until they had water. And they might dig and dig and dig and not find water. So they try somewhere else, and they try somewhere else. When you found water, you had life, and you had wealth, and you had a place to live for the cattle, for the people. Everything depended upon it. And everything he did prospered in their land. In the midst of a famine, God was blessing Isaac. And the Philistines envied him. They went stopped up all his wells with dirt for no reason. Just envy, okay? That's like Satan. He just wants to stop us. He hates us because he hates the Lord. He hates everything about you and me and our Christianity. I said, if we just go out and live worldly, they'll leave us alone for the most part, okay? And so Abimelech, the king, in the nicest way, he says in verse 16, said unto Isaac, go from us, for thou art much mightier than we are. In other words, just, we, we can't handle you. You're just prospering too much Will you leave. So he packs up all his stuff and leaves. And as he leaves, and, and then he goes, and he goes to, to back to some land he lived before, where Abraham had wells, the Philistines had filled up and his servants dig and they dig one well and as soon as they hit water they come and tell Isaac we found water and the Philistines said that water's ours now they're the ones that had stopped it up okay they said the water's ours and so they strove with him and he called that well Esek which means contention or strife that's in verses 19 and 20 so his servants dig another well and they strove with, for him for that one. The water's ours. He names that one Sitna, which means to oppose, opposition or accusation. And then he, he, he was in the will of God. My point is right here, and that still he was being greatly opposed. The Lord had blessed him. Earlier in this chapter, the Lord had just renewed and restated the covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He had just personally given it to Isaac. Says, this is a covenant I made with your father Abraham. It's being fulfilled through you. I'm giving it to you right now. He's in the will of God. He's serving God. He fears God. He's not often in rebellion or in the world. And the Lord has blessed him. But at every turn, what do we see? He's being opposed. At every turn by men, he's being uh, opposed and, and undermined at every turn. This is not unusual, is it? This is to be expected. And you and I should expect it in our day. Now that's one thing, and I'm not even preaching on this today. If, if I go out and sin as a believer, and I suffer because of that, that's a whole other sermon for another day. We ought not sin, okay? There are consequences for our sin. And God can forgive us and restore it. But I'm just talking about doing what's right in God's eyes and living for the Lord and being opposed. The Lord said, this is how it would be for his followers. 
This is how it would be. And the Bible says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, Jesus said. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. So if we're going through life and everybody's thinking, thinking we're just the most wonderful things in the world, people that are heathen, and they're every other words a curse word, they don't know God, they don't want to know God, and they just are lost and want to be lost, and they think we're the greatest things in the world, and all men speak well of us, woe unto you, because we must not have very much of a testimony of Christ in our lives. And Jesus said that, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. We're going to be opposed. We're going to face this. And, and uh, Peter, I'm just going to read this from Mark 10. Peter said, Lord, we, we have left all and followed thee. So they were his disciples. And he says, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions. He puts that in there. Why? Because he wants us to know and expect it. Doesn't mean that we're going to be financially blessed necessarily. Uh, it says mothers, plural. And you know, the, the point to me of that in this life we're going to receive a hundredfold is the church body is stuck. It's the Christian brothers and sisters. It's knowing Keith Malcolmson and his family, his wife, uh, halfway around the globe. I received another brother. You understand what I'm saying? That's what he's talking about in, in this life. But he also is in this, said in this life, take all that, houses, land, children, mothers, brothers, hundredfold, you're going to be blessed with persecutions. It's going to come. We're going to be opposed. And he wants us to know that. And in the world to come, eternal life. All right? And so we know the scripture. I'll just read it. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. There are people, and in the parable of the seed and the sower, um, Jesus gave a picture of it, but there are people that are excited about Jesus at first. They're excited about the power of God to deliver from sin. They're excited about heaven. They're excited about a relationship with God. They're excited about eternal life and, and all these things. And then they step out and they try to live it publicly in a lost world that doesn't know Him, and they get kicked back. Or they get kicked back, okay? And they get, they get it spat back in their face and they're offended and they and the Bible talks about that it's the parable of the seed of the sower it says for the word's sake they're offended by and by and they shrivel up and, and, and die because they didn't have much depth they didn't have much root to really hang on to the Lord where those tree roots are down to the living water you know it can be that way if we hang on to Jesus so what am I saying? Don't, don't be surprised that we're opposed. This opposition to Christ and His people, His Word, His truth, it will, it will, it's not something that's strange on this earth. If it never happens to you, you need to see, am I really living for God? Pray for boldness to stand up for the Lord. But it's, it's, it's not strange, nor is it evident and the other side token, it's not evident that we're out of the will of God. Nor is it evidence that, that I'm being persecuted, that it's not evident that God is absent from me. 
or that he's unable to help us. We need to know our Bibles, amen? We're, we can be blessed and still be persecuted. We can be blessed and still be persecuted. We need to know the word of God. Our God is surely bringing us through. Now I'm going to be bring, uh, starting to wrap this up. He's bringing us through for his glory. And in our weaknesses, he is strong. In our inability, he is able. In the impossible situation, and we think there's no way out of this one, he makes it possible because with God, all things are possible. The mockers will mock. They'll mock Christ in the truth. Like we heard about in Sunday school, they're going to, the scoffers will scoff. Persecutors are going to persecute. And the promise of God, maybe, maybe even to us, seems overdue. Where's the promise of his coming? That's one of the things the scoffers are going to say in the last days. In 2 Peter chapter 3, the mock scoffers will come. It's one of the proofs that we're in the time, in the last days. And what will they say? They will say, where's the promise of his coming? For from, the, from the beginning, all things have continued just as they were. There's been no judgment, no uh, move of God. The Lord hasn't intervened in the lives of men. They forgot the flood, Peter said. That's a pretty big intervention. When everything living on the earth died, except those on the ark. And, but the day of the Lord will come. Know what the Bible says? So even if it seems long to us, and we're believers, and we know the word, and, but maybe because of circumstances or situations, is relief ever going to come? Is it really going to be fulfilled? John the Baptist, when he was in prison, about to be beheaded, is, go, would you go ask Jesus one more time? Are you the one, or do we look for another? Remember? And John the Baptist is the one that said twice, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. He that comes after me is preferred before me. And I saw and bear witness the Holy Ghost descended upon him. And the Lord says he's the one. And yet sometime later when circumstances changed, now he's doubting. Even John the Baptist, would you go check? Are you the one or do we look for another? The Lord says, you go tell John the things you see and hear. The dead are being raised. The sick are being healed. The blind eyes are being opened. The poor are having the gospel preached. You know what the Isaiah said it would be like? This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. We need to have the faith to believe, and God knows it, and he strengthens our faith when it's weak. But I'm going to tell you, there might be times we even doubt the fulfillment of it ourselves. I'm certainly not greater than John the Baptist. And God fulfills. God fulfills. The day of the Lord will come. And so I'm going to bring this to a close. But we feel pressed on every side. We feel darkness closing in all around us. We feel opposed and threatened at every turn. We see visibly, okay, with our natural eye, no signs of hope. We can't look and say, well, at least this is getting better. Can you point to anything spiritually in the world, okay, and say, well, at least that's getting better. Uh, things are in our country, in a way, and I would say that's global, are getting darker. We can't look to anything. Now, we can look inward and see God. God is doing something in my faith. He is. God's doing something in my family. He's doing something in my church. Praise God for it. But we, we are 
opposed in every godly endeavor. Every time you step out to obey the Lord, you're opposed. Every time you try to raise your children to know and walk with Jesus Christ, you're opposed. Not stopped, but opposed. Every time you stand for the Bible and the biblical truth, you're opposed. Every time you share the gospel in some public forum, we're opposed. Every time you try to establish a family altar time, Satan tries to make throw little foxes in there to keep it from happening. Every time you desire and God's put on your heart to to start practicing tithing and to be generous and giving like God's called us to with our finances, Satan's going to oppose. Not now. Now's not the time. Get through this little hump. Get through that, that house paid off. Get whatever. Get through this COVID stuff. Every time we step out, Satan is going to oppose. Every time you try to take new ground personally in your life spiritually with the Lord, where God is saying, Randy, step out into this. And I step out to do it or try to step out. I'm going to be opposed. You try to take new ground, even getting to church on time. Or coming back to church tonight. Something is going to try to stop us. I would say, don't be so, say it to myself, don't be so easily defeated. I'm not going to hell, but I can be defeated in what God wants to fulfill in my life. Today and in the days ahead, I can be defeated and come short. Almighty God has promised us victory. He did not say it would come without effort or without difficulty. He did say it would come. The victory. He's promised us, promised us victory. He didn't say it would come without difficulty or effort on our part. He gives the strength. Amen. He gives the grace. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure it. He's telling us. This is the last epistle that Paul wrote before he was beheaded for the Lord. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. Endure it. You're going to have to endure it. He promised it would come, not without difficulty, not without striving, but he promised it would come to victory. He will fight our battles. We will fight our battles on our knees before the Lord. We will fight our, fight our battles on our knees in this hour and in this darkness and whatever he calls us to. And he says, get up off your knees now and go do what I've called you to do. Then we'll walk that out and he will be with us and strengthen us to do it. He will certainly strengthen us to do his will and nothing and no one will prevent us from fulfilling the Lord's will for our lives. Isn't that encouraging? Nothing's going to stop us. Pressed in, buffeted, opposed, but victorious in Jesus. So let's look back at, if you're still there in Genesis 26, 22, and he removed from them. So he names one well of. Uh, Isaac, he needs the other one sitting up because they strove. This is our water, the Philistine said. He removed from this, digged another well. For that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. It doesn't tell us why they didn't strive. We just know that, that God gave him a place of rest. Okay? And he said, for now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Y'all, we're not just going to be fruitful in heaven one day. 
He wants us to superabound right now because it shows his might. When it looks totally impossible and everything's contrary to Christians being prosperous, so to speak, having joy, having peace, uh, having any kind of effective ministry for the Lord in this hour, when all that looks more impossible, he, that's just when he wants to do it because it shows his might. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The Lord, even in the midst of our enemies, provides for his people a reign above, a place of rest. He can do it in a prison if we're persecuted for righteousness' sake, and he's done it for countless believers over the years. He can do it in a prison cell. He can do it in a hospital bed with some kind of chronic illness that God could heal you of, but he hasn't healed you of. He can, he can give you a place of rest and a ray above and make room for you right there to grow and to abound in Christ. Amen? Amen. He can make, in, in the midst of a great trial, he, he can make room for us, that ray above. He does that. He does it in the midst of our enemies. And it interesting, it's interesting to me that the whole thing with Isaac, it was wells, wells of water. And I said how important water is and the living water. And so it, it brought life. It wasn't just he made room for us and he said we'll be fruitful. Picture that as being a picture of the Holy Spirit. That God can pour out his spirit upon you in a prison cell, in a hospital bed, in a bunch of uh, uh, atheists that you work with or in your school or in your, even in your own home. The Lord can prosper us. Amen. We have a place. We have a place in Christ. Just basically made room for us. Like I can prosper here. I can breathe here. I'm pressed in all around, but somehow God gave me a place to breathe. I have real peace. I have real joy. I have real hope. I have a real purpose. I'm going to get out there and serve God. People are trying to press me in and box me into where I can't move. And yet God's made room for me to prosper. It's a wonderful thing. I'm going to close with a few scriptures. I'll just read them. But David says this. Three, I'm, I'm going to quote uh, three psalms here. I called upon the Lord in distress. So David was in distress more than once in his life. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. This is Rehoboth. The Lord made room for me. What large place? Is it just a big open field? No, there was some space that God gave him where his enemies are, are contending upon him, he's in distress. Maybe Saul's chasing him down to kill him. But somehow God made him prosper and added men to him and a following to him and a kingdom to him. And, and he said, he set me in a large place. There's another scripture, and he has not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. So David had enemies. Thou hast set my feet in a large room. This is Rehoboth, made place for him. Psalm 18, they prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. I looked up that place large, I mean that word large, it means open space, breadth. It means liberty, liberty. And God sets us in that place. He did for Isaac. Y'all, he does it for us and brings us in that place of liberty that we're pressed in on every side. We're not forsaken. We're not abandoned. 
We're not abandoned today. Christ is not any weaker today. The darkness is the darkness and it's growing. The light is still the light though. And he wants us to, to live for him with all of our heart and mind and soul. And he's going to strengthen us. Y'all can stand with me this morning. And while you're standing, uh, I just encourage you to make an altar at your chair. If you want to come to the altar, you, the altar is open. What do you feel comfortable with at this time? But just listen to this verse as we go into our time of prayer. It's written in Isaiah. I know you've heard the scripture. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. So there will be weapons formed against us. They're formed specifically against you. Satan knows specific things he wants to come against your life. Okay? No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. Guess what? There are going to be people that speak things against your life in the Lord. I know this is a promise to Israel, but I'm just relating it here to the church. Every tongue that rises shall rise up against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So this is the heritage of all those that know God and walk with God. You're going to be contended. You're going to be opposed. Your enemy is very formidable. He's a formidable foe. He comes against us, but God is greater. We're just going to keep our eyes on the Lord. He's going to take us through this life. He'll bring us through a dark tunnel if he has to, a dark valley if he has to, uh, into a, a pit if he has to, and he'll bring us back out of the pit on the other side. Amen? We're going to keep our eyes on the Lord and walk with him. I just encourage you, just go before the Lord. Ask God as we pray this morning just to strengthen your faith. Say, Lord, I, I want that place. I, want, I need that ray above in my life. There's striving and contention over here. I'm just trying to live for God. I try to live for God over here. Strife and contention. Lord, I need that place, in, not in the world, so to speak, but in the Lord, where, where there's prosperity. I need to grow. I need to. I need my family altar time to be secure. I need a testimony to be sure. Even if it's opposed, I want to walk in the, the fullness of it. I want to expound. I want to grow. I want a place to breathe. Okay, spiritually, even though everything's trying to squeeze the life out of me, it's not going to squeeze the life out of you. The Lord is your stay. That's what David said. The Lord is my stay. And he's heard me. And he set me in a large place. And Father, we praise you and thank you this morning. God, I just thank you for the things we can learn from your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us and give us understanding. I pray for every believer in here. I know that there's weariness. I can look and see a lot of people. There's a weariness in the battle. And you said, let us not uh, be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap, reap if we faint not. And Lord, help us not to faint. God, give us, set us our feet in a large room like you did David. The enemy was all around him. He was in the middle of his enemy. And you gave him a place of victory, a place of prosperity. You gave him space to breathe and grow. You gave him liberty in Jesus. And Lord, that's what we're asking. We're not asking you to just change the world. The world is the world and it is what it is. We're asking that you would change us, God, and help us to walk and live and abide in Christ, to walk and live and abide in a place of prosperity 
in the Lord, where our prayer life grows, where our testimony for Christ grows, where our influence over our children in the things of God grows, where our soul winning grows, where our own personal peace and joy grows, where our worship grows, a large place, even in the midst of the darkness, God. You gave that to Isaac. You gave him a place, and there was some place he found that you provided where there was not contention for the rivers of living water to flow. And you made him fruitful in that land, even with the enemy all around. God, I understand it. I want to understand it better, but I know that place is in Christ. And I pray for every believer here, God, that we would find that place of freedom and liberty, space to, space to breathe and grow in the midst of our, in the midst of this dark world, God, I pray you would provide that for us, God, in Jesus' name. Take just a few minutes to pray and to worship the Lord this morning. Ask Him to strengthen your heart. That place is in Christ, y'all. Our ray of both is in the Lord. He said, this world, we're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. The ray of both is going to be abiding in Christ.